Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Yes, we do. Welcome to episode 175 of Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. I'm your co-host, Sarah D. Bunting. I'm here with the bloptacular Mark Blankenship. Hello, blop, Mark. Blop, blop, And uh, <laughs> somehow, even though it's early February, it's fucking Oscar season, and you know what that means. Guys, in case you're new, Mark, tell them what it actually means. That means that for the third consecutive year, I cannot believe we're already on year three, we are talking about the Academy Awards and their songs with our very special guest, Joe Joseph Smooth Jimmy Apollo. Reed. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hello, Joe. Uh, in case you're wondering, I think I speak for all three of us when I say that we've still got Mighty River stuck in our heads. Is yes. that true? It'll never go away. Yeah. <laughs> Na- now it is. We're on God a damn podcast. It, Mark. A Mighty <laughs> Podcast. Uh, but actually, Mighty River and Mary J. Blige, sadly, are not our themes this year. But we do have a very great theme in its in that in place of that, uh, Joe, why don't you tell us a little bit about your excellent idea for what this episode could cover? Sure. So, as you mentioned, this is my third year doing um, an Oscars-themed Mastess episode, and thank you for having me back. I'm very, uh, very excited. Two years ago, we just did the regular sort of best original song lineup that year. As you mentioned, Mighty River was one of the nominees. Do we really need to remember the other ones? Not really, because we have Mighty River. Um, last <laughs> year... Uh, I think, Mark, it was your idea to do the triptych of A Star is Born songs uh, to commemorate the fact that A Star is Born was marching its way to Oscar last year, which it did. This year, I took a look at the lineup of of Best Original Song nominees, and all due respect to Sir Elton John and Dame Diane Warren, um, (laughs) I couldn't do it. I couldn't subject us to kind of any of these. I like the one from Frozen 2, but it's not even the best one from Frozen 2. So, like, I was like, all right, what else? I want to pitch Mastess. I want to get back on Mastess. What do I do? And so I (laughs) fell on the tried and true as a good editor. I was like, what about anniversaries? What about anniversary content? And so I thought we could do three songs, one of them from 10 years ago, the original song winners from 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and 30 years ago, which gives us an interesting little cross-section. It is uh, Crazy Heart. The movie was Crazy Heart. The song was The Weary Kind by Ryan Bingham and T-Bone Burnett. Then 20 years ago was the infamous Phil Collins' You'll Be In My Heart win for Tarzan. Which and we'll get to. We'll get to for sure. And then 30 years ago was a rather sort of momentous moment for Disney, which was The Little Mermaid and winning Best Original Song for Under the Sea from uh, Alan Menken and Howard Ashman, sung by Samuel E. Wright. So I kind of presented that, and you guys, you know, went for it, which, happy happy to be here. So uh, I appreciate that in the narrative that you just gave us, the idea of pitching to be on Mastis seems like, 
like we're a tough nut to crack. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you, Sarah, but I'm over here trying to edit for the people. <laughs> you know, Joe, who do you think you're dealing with? Well, he knows exactly who he's dealing with, which is why we were happy. Um, first of all, a little shocked that Joe actually could make time for this. Uh, in his, me too. <laughs> in his schedule. Um, so let's get right to it so that Joe can maybe take an 11-minute nap at some point. The disco is Before the Oscar nap. ceremony. Yeah. Um, so we are going to begin with uh the little mermaid song under the sea uh any comments before we hear a clip i think we should just dive in with the clip and then let our comments take us from there (laughs) dive in i see what you did there (laughs) here's a clip from under the sea Sing it, crab. It's so much fun. <laughs> My notes said, get it, crab. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunate. I feel like I bring this up as a criteria a lot, but this song is so much fun to sing at karaoke. I can't even like begin because it's both a like super fun song. Everybody remembers it. Everybody knows like the chorus to it, at least, so they can sing along. But then the verses are so um, dense in lyrics that it is also impressive when you can like show off being able to keep up with it, which is my like Billy Joel, we didn't start the fire theory that like we didn't start the fire. Isn't a like great melody, but if you can like do it and like not look at the monitor the whole time, you're really fucking impressive. And even in under the sea, like I have to like keep my eyes on the monitor, but it's, it's perfect. It's such a perfect like karaoke jam. I can't even tell you. Well, and uh, we had a little poll about these three songs on our Patreon page, and uh, our Patreon patrons couldn't help but comment on these songs, which I was so pleased that they did. And Lisa Kay similarly wrote, there's nothing like watching The Little Mermaid with a bunch of stand-up comedians and hearing them all belt out, darling, it's better down where it's wetter, (laughs) please, with hand gestures. Yeah, and uh, I think that is also <laughs> one of the things that makes this song such a such a staple is that everyone knows it from a time that they were innocent. But now, if you want, yes. you can turn it into something more. Sure, of course. And also, this thing where like you're a kid listening to this, and even if you pick out all of the terms here, because there's a lot of like music terms and um, sort of like very specific stuff. But like as an adult, you're listening to this and. I don't remember. I had read this in some in some other publication at some point, or maybe it was on Twitter. But somebody pointed out that like this 
movie for children that like re- reignited sort of the Disney princess genre includes the lyric, when the sardine begin the begin, it's music to me. And it's just like, they didn't have to go that hard. They didn't have to like, <laughs> be that intricate with a lyric and be that clever and also like cerebral about it. But like, they just sort of snuck it in there and it's over before you know it. But it's like, if you catch it as an adult, it's just like, that's a really fucking good lyric. <laughs> so I don't well, know. Because- it's so impressive. This is, of course, the first of the Disney films that Howard Ashman and Alan Menken worked on together, who also had written the musical Little Shop of Horrors. And I think one of the great pleasures of this song is that it is such a wonderful piece of musical theater songwriting. Yeah. And we all remember the snappy, catchy tune, and we all can sing Under the Sea because those are great, sticky elements of the song, but also what's happening in all of that uh, lyrical density is a lot of plot is being dispensed with. And this song has an urgency to it that comes from Sebastian's character and from the plot at this point in the film. This, this is an urgent moment in the story where he is trying to keep Ariel from leaving. And it turns out in retrospect that he's right because she has to give up her voice so that she can follow some man around. When when she had stayed down there, she could have been watching the blowfish blow. I yeah, mean, I think I think that he was right, but I know the movie disagrees with me. Anyway, so I think that it is also really gratifying for this song to be the one that won the Oscar because it accomplishes all of this. And this is the very first movie, like you said, that reignited the era that reignited our cultural love of Disney animated films. So there were no patterns in place yet. It's kind of like the first season of the real world when everyone was more natural because no one knew the rules. And (laughs) very shortly after this, the pendulum would shift or our focus would shift and the Oscar for a Disney animated film would always go to the centerpiece ballad that was turned into a hit single sung by an adult contemporary artist. But in this one, Part of Your World wasn't even nominated for an Oscar. And instead, the two nominees were Kiss the Girl and Under the Sea. And what you get as the winner is the musical theater song. And I just really like that. Um, I really don't have a ton to say about this because it really is such a masterfully done song that does exactly what it sets out to do. Um, It's a crowd pleaser. Everyone can sing along with it. Uh, The reggae is like... Uh, I guess a little appropriative, but it was, you know, the eighties and we didn't necessarily know better. Um, It really works. Um, It it is interesting to think about the original folktale of the little mermaid, which is like really horrifying misogynoir going back centuries um, and involves horrible, like horrible pain involving like this mermaid wants to be a sexual being and is punished with swift you know harshness and swiftness um but this is the disney version now remind me is this the one where the there was like controversial box art where some of the coral looked like cocks yes yeah and also the priest that marries them on the ship Looks like he has a boner at one point. Yes. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and maybe that's why uh, on Patreon, Beth G writes, in hindsight, Under the Sea makes me uncomfortable. 
That's all she says. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there there is probably, like, if you really pull it apart, there's probably a lot in there that's uncomfortable, not just because of some inadvertent, quote-unquote, dick imagery. Mm-hmm, right. But um, this is... Uh, and this also has the um, distinction of being one of those best song nominees that you're like, yep, like there was this was the class of the field and it won. And end of story. It was so, a really yeah. interesting field of nominees to that year because Mark mentioned it's Under the Sea and Kiss the Girl from The Little Mermaids. It's I Love to See You Smile, Randy Newman from Parenthood, which... I've always said it's always strange to me that that movie, that song was original for Parenthood because it sounds like a song that has existed since 1942 and was like, in, it, like was, it was a little parents first dance at their yes, wedding. Yes, exactly. It sounds that timeless. And I don't necessarily mean that as a compliment in this way where it's just sort of just like, God damn it, Randy Newman, just like sometimes you can live in the now. Um, the Shirley Valentine song, The Girl Who Used to Be Me, which I couldn't sing for you for the life of me, but as Mark uh, well knows, any song with music by Marvin Hamlish and lyrics by Alan Bergman and Marilyn Bergman will always fascinate me because like, that's like the ad- ad- adult contemporary of choice for 1980s movies, especially at the Oscars. And Well, uh, years and years ago, Joe and I, listeners, in case you don't know, I mean, let's be honest, unless you were following our personal blogs 12 right. years ago definitely don't know this and if you weren't we did uh, we once wrote about the song nominees of this entire decade and by the end we were like and here they are again the motherfucking bergmans and now every time i watch an old um barbara streisand's uh acceptance speech for something like i watched very recently her acceptance speech for the golden globe best director for yentl don't ask i just did um <laughs> And she thanks, like, Alan Bergman and Marilyn Bergman, who, like, helped make her career. And it's just like, oh, okay, so, like, that was sort of the milieu. It's the same as, uh, it's the Carol Bayer-Sager-esque sort of uh, uh, universe there. But my favorite of all of of these, Under the Sea is my favorite. But, like, After All from Chances Are, nobody remembers Chances Are, but After All is Sharon Peter Cetera, which is, again, a karaoke staple of mine. Shout out Dan Rogge. That is irresistible to me so i ha- i have to shout out uh after all but yeah under the sea was always going to win this yeah that song was definitely one of those um like um whatever that's song- i can dream about you from streets of fire like <laughs> Ooh, everyone Bergman. saw the same yes. three and a half minute collection of snippets yep. from chances are in streets of fire yep, because of the videos that were on mtv and vh1 but nobody saw the actual movies another great one of that what Go ahead, Mark. How many of us have actually seen the movie Vision Quest, and how many of us have just seen the concert video of Crazy for You and Madonna singing in that nightclub? I actually watched Vision Quest because oh, Matthew Modine has his shirt <laughs> off a lot. It's not great, but it's not a waste. And you right? actually know that about Matthew Modine because of that Madonna video. I can remember the slow-mo mm. running scene that they cut mm. to at one point. My example yeah. was going to be at close range, which again, yes. it's like, I've never seen at close range, but I know basically what happens in it because of the video for live to tell. If I actually saw that, that movie one now, is bad. Don't watch I, it. If I saw the movie now at close range and Madonna did not show up in a floor length floral dress, <laughs> I would be pissed off. I'd be like, where is Madonna in her forties in her tasteful forties dress? Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Amazing. Actually, holy shit, you guys, I've also never seen With Honors, but I've certainly seen the video enough to know that Joe Pesci (laughs) acts the fool. I definitely saw With Honors back in the day, for sure. But yeah, (laughs) amazing. 
Yeah, I think what Mark was talking about with the Disney song sort of pivoting to the love theme being the Oscar winner, I think a big part of that was when they started to release the pop singles. Yeah, They have the movie version, but then also, you're right, like Celine Dion and Peebo Bryson singing Beauty and the Beast, or yeah. um, Elton John Bryce singing and Can You Feel the Love Tonight. Right, right. Down through, like, Vanessa Williams doing Colors of the Wind for Pocahontas. And... I think the fact that there was no pop single for Part of Your World, even though Part of Your World is like a lovely song too, but I love that The Little Mermaid was the one that got to have the fun sort of rousing song. Like, um, Be Our Guest should have won for Beauty and the Beast. I think we can all maybe agree yeah. to that. <laughs> Although that Celine Peebo joint, like, we oh. used to get stoned in college respect. and listen to it and cry. Yes. Full respect for that. Absolutely. It's a wonderful, wonderful this is tradition. what happens when you don't have the fucking internet yet, youngsters. You guys, I will say there are only two cassette singles I ever bought featuring the dulcet tones of Peebo Bryson. <gasps> no, there were three. Uh-oh. Oh, my God. I bought both of his Disney themes, and then I bought a cassette single of his duo with Kenny G by the time this night is over. Oh my God. I wow. Believe, I just feel like I had a, a, a buried trauma. I was going to say, just come sort of... back. <laughs> It'll be $74, please. And uh, you Speaking no, no of pay. buried trauma, except it's not buried. Uh, are we done talking about Under the Sea or can we move on yeah. to the ranting well, that's yes, going to surround please. Phil? Before yeah. we do, I just want to make the case uh, if they had released a pop single version of part of your world in 89. I think that Debbie Gibson would have been the perfect choice to sing it. Oh, Ooh. that's a good idea. Yeah. That's a good yeah. Idea. Yeah. They didn't I know what see they her had. saying neat in a song. <laughs> I can also hear her figuring out a way to make thingamabobs work in her <laughs> upper register. <laughs> yes. Uh huh. Okay. So yes, yeah, Sarah, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about what comes up in 1999 for you? Um, okay. <laughs> People who were present at uh, the Oscar party, Shay, Tara, Dave that year. Oh, my God. Paul Quinn and I are still so mad. Like, there's another timeline in which we're still smoking <laughs> cigarettes in that backyard and just fuming. This was a weird, like, this year's winners, uh, the 1999 films that won in 2000, um, it it hasn't aged well. Um, this beat not just Amy Mann's Magnolia offering, but also Randy Newman's Because You Loved Me from Toy Story 2, which, what? It's the best like, song he's written in, like, 20 years. And yeah. they didn't, yeah. like, give it to him. It's crazy. It, 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 it's the most... What did he end up winning for? Something from Toy Story 3 that nobody remembers. Like, I can't even yeah. tell you off the top of my head. I've got to look it up. It's called We Belong Together. It's and from Toy Story what? 3. Yeah, And in 2001, he won for Monsters, Inc., a song called If I Didn't Have You, which... Oh, right. I, have I ever heard that song? I saw that movie. I don't know if right. I heard that, that song. Was the I first have seen one. that movie two dozen times. Yeah. I, like, I don't remember a song. I just um, forgot it right now, as I was telling you which one. But, yeah. <laughs> but when like, she... I understand he has to get off the Lucci list, but, right. but maybe do it sooner with something that didn't suck. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Well, when She Loved Me from Toy Story 2 is so beautiful. And it changes your understanding of the character of Jesse, which means that, oh, it's also serving a function in the movie. Yeah. And, sorry, and it's also 
Sarah, you were, I thought, very gracious to just breeze by the fact that Magnolia's Save Me also was overlooked here. But what the fuck? You're going to give me this Tarzan piece of shit over the Magnolia song? And? And? Blame Canada? Also an excellent song. Nominated for South Park the Musical that year. Yeah. And that was a great moment in the ceremony, I thought. Robin Williams was really good in that break may he rest um that was robin williams they would sort of robin williams as hollywood utility player is always one of my great fascinations where it's uh do you remember that golden globe awards where christine lobby won best actress for chicago hope but she was in the bathroom bathroom. and they announced it and while they're waiting for her it's like michael jackson (laughs) michael j fox michael jackson jesus christ michael j fox is presenting the award and he's just sort of like oh where is she is she's in she's in the bathroom and he doesn't quite know what to do and then robin williams just sort of just like runs up on stage because he knows that like the show is happening right now and someone needs to vamp and who is better qualified (laughs) than he and he just like vamps for four minutes waiting for christine lottie to show up (laughs) onto the stage it's amazing Well, I think that without further ado, now that we've acknowledged Save Me from Magnolia, Blame Canada from South Park, and When She Loved Me from Toy Story as perhaps better choices, and let's briefly acknowledge Diane Warren's Music of My Heart from Music of the Heart. As not her best, not, but not not the worst. <laughs> not, not a song that should have won, but perhaps was yeah. still better than the song that did win. This is Phil Collins' own You'll Be In My Heart from Tarzan. Or as it's properly known, as it is in my notes, you'll be in my fart. There it is. There. I am glad that that clip was as short as it was. was Yeah, barf. Guys, you know how much I love a key change. Oh, you know how much I cannot resist um, sort of processy power ballads like this, which is just like, I get there was a lot of production on this. None of those things can rouse me from my indifference for you'll be in my heart. I can't. I can't. It's just such a, it's just such product. Like, I was listening to it and I was like, this is actually not as bad as I remember, but it's absolutely an assemblage of manipulations, right. first of all. It's not um, unlistenable. No, I think you're totally right. The, the vocal is the vocal is pretty good. Like he, uh, you know, Collins is committing. Yeah. I'll, I'll give him that. Um, and I think he has had historically the grace to be embarrassed that this won an Academy Award. <laughs> right, right. It's n- that's not on him, right. technically. Right. He did um, a job for a company, and that company took that ball and ran with it. And yeah, yeah. I mean, but like for Tarzan, like what, <laughs> like what are we all doing here right. in, the, in the service of rewarding narrative? Can can we all just talk about what the what the crispy fuck is happening? But here's the thing: if you took, if you like stopped button mashing. The like Schmaltzotron three thousand, right? And reimagined this as an acoustic like heritage lullaby situation well, sung by. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to say Jason Isbell or perhaps uh-huh. the Hayden Triplets. But you thought about uh, Alison Krauss. 
I know. Yeah, I mean, I certainly did not think of that because she's real busy doing the forty-eight other songs we want her to sing. Um, but I, I don't think the song is is bad. I just think that this is absolutely like product TM. Yeah, but it's most. <sighs> I never saw Tarzan, but I my my sense is that this is the song that the mom. Uh, Gorilla sings to boy Tarzan as she like sends him off to like grow up. Now, what I can recall, I, don't I only saw this movie once in 1999, so God knows. And also, what was I doing going to see Tarzan when I was in college? But anyway, yeah, that's not good. But don't it, do that again. <laughs> but it was just, I don't know. It was, you know, this was also like Toy Story 2 had come out. It was like Disney movies, animated. They're great films. And then you go see Tarzan and you're like, oh, no, this is actually a but. However, from <laughs> what I can recall, and I might be wrong, but from what I can recall, You'll Be In My Heart is played, I believe it's Phil Collins' own voice played over a montage of Tarzan swinging through the vines of the jungle. Okay. But it's been 20-something years, so I could also be wrong. But the thing that I find is so interesting about this song's victory is I I think this is a narrative that has no bearing in actual fact, but I think that it's because Phil Collins didn't win in 1984 for Against All Odds. Which he should have. And they were like, that song rules. And he lost to I Just Called to Say I Love You. Yeah. So I want to believe that people were like, so sorry, Phil, because Phil Collins has made some fucking awesome music in his life. Yeah. Uh, there, I have no kick with Phil Collins whatsoever, but this song is just so wallpaper Yeah, Yeah. I listened to it while I was cooking, uh, and I the whole song was over, and I had basically just been focusing on dicing vegetables, because <laughs> there's, no, there's nothing about this song that really commands attention. Really boring filler vegetables, like celery. Yeah, yeah but- exactly. By the end of it, like everything in your fridge ended up diced where you were just like mindlessly just like (laughs) chop, chop, chop. (laughs) That's actually the song's narcotizing effect is it (laughs) makes you perform unnecessary domestic tasks that are usually put to a montage of Phil Collins music in a Lifetime movie. Yeah, Andrew's like, why are you chopping up yogurt? This is not necessary. Turn <laughs> but then, this off right now. But then the next thing he knows, he's like, I just chopped up a shoe. What's okay. going on? We're so homey. <laughs> the thing also about um, the 1999 Oscars, and Sarah, you mentioned that the fact that like a lot of those awards have just not aged well across the board. Those are, of course, the American Beauty. Uh, Who could possibly have gone wrong with a Kevin Spacey win for best uh, best actor? And part of what makes that sting so much is that 1999 was this like incredibly influential year for movies, and so many you know great movies that you know came out that year. And of course, it's like oh, this is what we end up. We end up with like the Green Mile and um, the Cider House Rules as our as our best picture nominees and everybody's sort of scratching their head. And best original song that year is very similar, where it's like we mentioned other songs in that category that would have been better choices, but even like unnominated songs, I want to remind that like, this was the year that garbage did the bond theme. That is like my favorite bond theme in forever for, uh, the world is not enough, which is like, go listen to that. If you haven't heard it, it's phenomenal. Um, REM did the song from man on the moon from the, the Andy Kaufman movie. That's really, really good. And, Maybe not everybody's cup of tea, but I would have preferred it to Tarzan, which is Will Smith's Wild Wild West, which, like, at the very least, 
you go to a gay bar and the, the bartenders will dance on the bar to that song. You and guys, honestly, and also, also from 1999, an original song from a film that won a Grammy for best song from a film, Madonna's Beautiful Stranger. Yes, that's another one. That's a really good call. Absolutely. But, you know, the, the Oscars would rather tie their own genitals into a bow than yeah. ever acknowledge Madonna's contribution to the world of film. Right. No. So. And <laughs> I love Beautiful Stranger. I'm still bad. It's it would have been a good nominee, and also whatever like rules that existed that prevented Wise Up from also being a nominee from Magnolia, yeah, are stupid rules. I know it was ineligible because it was written for something else and whatever, but like that's that's dumb. Wise Up is the song from Magnolia. Like let's all just like acknowledge that. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but you know, I'm still mad that <laughs> Chloe Sevigny doesn't have an Oscar yeah. from this year. Yeah, for Boys Don't Cry. She was yeah. Coming. Or honestly, Tony Collette, also so good in The Sixth Sense. Or honestly, oh Catherine God, yes. from being uh, That was Katie a great year Keens. for supporting actress. Yeah, JD Key, and then Samantha Morton too. From yeah. that really was a great category because even Angelina Jolie, who won, she wasn't bad in that movie. She's incredibly no. memorable in that movie. It's like it's the Angelina Jolie performance that you like think of, and yeah, which is too bad because you know what, Salt. It's good. Yes. Go Salt watch is it. Great. It's fun. <laughs> Now, I do want to add um, from our patrons, Emily J. writes, there is something in my cold, dead heart that innately responds to Disney movies. I love them. I know I'm being manipulated. I don't care. Not sorry. It's like she was answering you specifically, Sarah. Um, (laughs) I watched The Little Mermaid for the frillionth time less than a month ago and sang every song at the top of my lungs. That said, Tarzan was terrible and can shut up forever. (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's now to take us into a completely different realm to leave behind if we feel we are emotionally prepared disney uh it's time to look at the song that won in 2009 uh and i think that this one is really interesting for a host of very different reasons uh but this is a clip from the weary kind from crazy heart Co-written by T-Bone Burnett and Ryan Bingham and performed by Ryan Bingham. Your heart's on the loose you rolled them sevens with nothing to lose and This ain't no place for the weary kind I mean, have him do You'll Be In My Heart. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. Actually, that's There's a certainly good idea. some more texture to it that way. This was, this was such an interesting case, this movie, because I don't feel that this was the necessarily the best song from the soundtrack um i pulled a clip of the alternate if we want to hear it i'd love to know what you guys thought of uh colin farrell's performance in this but you know this movie i think was good but overrated and but like the machine was determined to give jeff bridges his oscar so that's where we all were with it yeah i guess yeah i I don't know if you guys agree with that I do. I remember being, 
I think there was a void that year in best actor and a void in best song. And they were like, we need something that'll make sense <laughs> in this. And all of a sudden Jeff Bridges and crazy heart came along at the end of the year. And they're like, boom, we got it. Like, yeah. Cut. Print, and, we're yeah. done. And you know, one of the things that I don't remember getting talked about as much at the time as perhaps I would have liked it to be talked about was the fact that the movie crazy heart is the movie tender mercies from the 80s that Robert Duvall won an Oscar for in the Jeff Bridges yes. role. And then I'm pretty sure I mentioned that because yeah. And then now Robert Duvall is in Crazy Heart in the the drunk old asshole dad role. Yeah. And it's just like and it's it's exactly the same movie because there's a young woman with a kid who gets sort of drawn to the the singer in both movies. That being said, uh, I also want to mention that Joe and I saw this movie together uh back in 2009. You did at the um what the angelica remember oh the, like yeah. weird long tunnel theater room in the angelica with the t- the subway audible from beneath your feet yeah oh yeah and i remember maggie gyllenhaal who got an oscar nomination for this of all the movies she's ever done this was the one okay yeah, yeah. what <laughs> i knew what the risk you were with you and i took them and i'm <laughs> glad <laughs> i thought this performance from her was pretty bogue yeah, I thought it was like a C plus. I was like, do we just not have anyone else this year? <laughs> it is interesting, though, to think about this movie, Tender Mercies, which is also good, but massively oversubscribed. Like now that it's one stuff, yeah. people are like, oh, yeah, Tender Mercies. I'm like, it's still only a B, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but the way that um, it was directed by Bruce Beresford, for God's sake. Well, really, like t- t- took a week off from whatever cbs miniseries written by <laughs> robert clavell um so this movie tender mercies and uh last year's a star is born like yeah. i just think that all the lead performances by the men are kind of in conversation with each other i think that's right absolutely um, in a way that makes crazy heart seem better maybe than it is or like it, it gives it like retroactive Yes. Dimension. Yes. Um, but it, yeah, let's let's hear a clip from the song that I actually went and downloaded and like paid money for. <laughs> Ooh. That should have been nominated, and then we can discuss whether you think this was actually a better option. better song like i wonder if the issue is that it's too big hat country for academy Mm. voters or something what was the name of that song fallen and flying oh shit honey that describes (laughs) me most saturday nights into sunday mornings Mm -hmm. i I mean who ain't been there (laughs) i do feel like that song is a um it gives me a much better sense of who those characters are in terms of like the kinds of shows they're playing, the kinds of crowds they're drawing, like what a night going to listen to bad Blake and whatever Colin Farrell's character's name is like that 
gives me a much sort of like clearer sense of what's happening in the movie. I think you're right about the fact that like it is purely what it is. And I think the weary kind is enough of a crossover to a kind of singer songwriter kind of a thing that like, right. That like, if you're not into country, you can, you, this will still appeal to you. And that's the kind Mm. of thing that's going to end up winning you, you know, more votes in that kind of thing, even though like it's competition this year was pretty not uh, inspiring. I will say for the weary kind itself, a song that I generally like, I, but I think like a minute of it will do you because yes, it's just repetitive. Like my kingdom for a bridge on this song, I would pay (laughs) actual cash money for somebody to just put a bridge on the song. And maybe that's like not what the genre does for songs like this, but like I want it. I just, I just need it. There's no modulation in the later part of the song. By the time they get to the part where it's like, you are the man who ruined the world. And I'm just like, Oh my God. Like we get it. He's going to kill himself. Like Jesus. I, I also just feel like, I remember really liking this song. And then as I was re-listening to it to prepare for this episode for the first time in years, I realized, oh, wait, maybe this song is boring. And I I think it's because of what you just said, Joe. It's just so, it's so repetitive. There's just, it's the structure of this song is a flat line. It is what it is at the beginning, all the way to the end. And, you know, I remember at the time also just feeling relieved that a song that was in any way decent was even nominated in this category because yeah. the the 2000s were a a complex time for the they original sure song category. They sure were. Um, and they generally depended on like one good song. This was sort of like when the song from Once was nominated. Yes. And it's just like, good, we've got this one. Like we can at least like um, do this one. This was also in between Once and Crazy Heart. Springsteen had the song on the soundtrack for The Wrestler that was... Very similar, actually, I think, to The Weary Kind, and it didn't get nominated, and I was so puzzled by that, because Springsteen is an Oscar winner himself. He won for Streets of Philadelphia, so it's not like the Oscar voters don't like him. And The Wrestler was a big hit because it got a Best Actor nomination for Mickey Rourke and Supporting Actress for Marissa Tomei, and, like, that was a whole thing. So, like, my old... And there were only three nominations in 2008 otherwise. It was two songs from Slumdog Millionaire and one from WALL-E. And I was like, what's the fucking holdup, you guys? Like, you have a perfectly good song right here, and I don't know. So I always felt like The Weary Kind was a little bit of, like... Bruce did a little bit of this too. So I don't know. Well, and it, it might also be one of those like past masters nominations for T-Bone Burnett, who yeah. I, yes. he did some, he did some songs for the Nashville soundtrack, the um, TV show. Mm-hmm. And he was the guy behind the Oh Brother Where Art Thou soundtrack, which was like yeah. a fucking huge hit for a movie soundtrack that was like pretty esoteric in terms of its style and that's you a know. good point and none of those songs were eligible for oscars right. so it's like a 10 years 11 years later thing for him maybe yeah uh, yeah i mean this also is like they're not giving the oscar for this but this is a good illustration of the way that um country music i think alone among it, g- genres lets a man be sad yeah yes doesn't kind of cover it up with a bunch of shit as it's we just like, as we talked about in our sad. travis tritt episode a year and a half ago yeah. <laughs> of all things <laughs> oh my god yeah i blocked that out i think <laughs> i remember watching there was a documentary about cinematography called visions of light that they showed us in um college when i was taking film classes and they talked about 
um, I believe it was the film for In Cold Blood, where uh, the killer is looking out of a window and it's raining outside and the rain coming down the window is reflected on his face. And so it looks oh, like, it looks yeah. like he's crying, even though he's not crying. And the, they were, you know, explaining the scene and they were like, this character, it's not in his character. He's not going to cry. Like you can't get that out of him for that character. It wouldn't make sense. So the movie has to find a way to cry for him. Mm. And that's what that scene does. And that I feel like is what a song like The Weary Kind also kind of does. Is it like it cries for a character who can't really like cry for himself. God, that's yeah. so true. And and Sarah, you're also so right about the fact that this genre of music does that for so many men anyway. Like Tim McGraw gets to sing about crying and then the men who listen to Tim McGraw don't have to cry. Can can listen about crying yeah. and then everyone it's like everyone has cried. Right. <laughs> Plausible deniability all around. Exactly. And it's like, yeah. that's why there are some some of the best country songs, I think, are the ones about men finally acknowledging that they feel grief. Like, I just, I well, I should say, I am a, a sucker for those particular songs. Like, any time that a man finally acknowledges that he misses his brother, his son, his father, whatever, I'm always right, just right, like, right, oh right. my God. So that's why I want the weary kind, I want to love it because it's right there, but it's not quite there. And then you talk about those three movies being in conversation with each other. You put this song next to shallow and it's like, Oh, shallow is the much better version of this song. Yeah. Yeah. Shallow's the yeah. crowd pleaser that this song can't quite be. And I will say I, for that first like go round for that first set of like verse plus chorus I'm just like, oh, this is beautiful. And if they didn't like just sort of drone on with the same thing for the rest of it, I would be yeah. totally unambiguously thrilled with the song. And as it is, it's just like it's a great song to listen to for one minute. I want yeah. I also want to bring up the other nominees. Joe alluded to them. This is such a motley fucking crew. Uh -huh. It's like who else was gonna win? Because you've got the random over the credits song that Maury Gaston wrote for nine, a movie that really was topped by a great performance from Fergie, which uh, that's yes. just sidebar. I always say everything about nine is super boring, except for Fergie, who's amazing. And Fergie outperforms Daniel Day-Lewis. And I'll just say that. And that's all I'll say. And you're not wrong. Yeah. Agree. Then, then there are two songs um, written by Randy Newman, of course, from The Princess and the Frog. But I don't know that movie. I don't know these songs. Are they real? <laughs> <laughs> they are. It like the movie. <laughs> yeah. And then finally, one of the weirdest nominees ever yeah. in my lifetime. There is an original song nominee for a song called Luan de Panam from a movie called Paris 36. And it's like, what the fuck is this movie? Is it real? Sarah, did you make the movie Paris 36? I was going to say, Sarah, I didn't. Did you but do I was death trying to do year? the Oscars death race yes. that year, and I did have to watch it. I have no memory of it. Is this the one you had to drive to Montreal to go see? No, that was Monsieur Lajar. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Still mad. <laughs> actually, it was fine, but it wasn't worth, you know, 14 hours in yeah. the car. <laughs> but you've actually seen Paris 36. You can, you can acknowledge it as a real film. It does exist. Can't yeah. tell you anything else about it, but <laughs> it's like when someone calls and is like, you know, we're just confirming employment. No further comments. <laughs> sorry. Listen, it was a five-time Cesar Award nominee, so there you oh, go. I feel like Thank God. A, there could be an episode of some Tina Fey written show 
about the invention of a fake Oscar nominee that gets Oscar nominations, but right. it doesn't exist. But everyone just says that they've seen it because it sounds like the type of movie that would get an Oscar nomination. Right. Yeah. Wag the Academy. Yeah. For exactly. sure. <laughs> yes, exactly. So that's how, uh, that's how you'll end up catching me is I'll just be like, yes, I definitely saw that movie. And they're like, <laughs> are you sure? And I'm like, yes, I'm sure I did. It was at, uh, it was at the Paris theater. And then <laughs> didn't, wasn't it at TIFF? Um, yes. <laughs> we did poll our listeners and they put uh, in third place, you'll be in my heart with a mere 9% of the vote. Woof. In in second place, the weary kind got 16% of the vote. And then under the sea, a handy victor with 75% of the vote. And I have to say that is the order I would put the songs into third Tarzan, yes. second crazy heart, first little mermaid. That- yeah. I think yeah. that's about right. That's my order as well. It's it's uh, you almost want to say it's unfair because The Little Mermaid is in the exact perfect nostalgia wheelhouse for people in our <clears throat> excuse me for people in our age bracket, but also it's just so much obviously the best that it's almost just like oh yeah, like yes, that's correct. Yes. Yeah. I mean, who are these 9% though? Guys, <laughs> let's talk. Yeah, <laughs> let, really, let's talk. How many kids I, did Phil Collins possibly have? Yeah. Cat H says, obviously, Under the Sea is the best song of these three, but I voted for the Tarzan theme because it is the most pernicious earworm. And now I can only think of Hedwig saying, we've been talking to Phil Collins' people. <laughs> now, I do want to say, though, for the record, Cat is a she is a, always going to vote for the underdog in polls. I have yes, noticed that's that. Cat, we see you. <laughs> wait, always, she's always like, wait, that one song that everyone hates on Jagged Little Pill? Okay, girl, I'm going to show I know. Up. She's My- like a you know, participation award giver, Cat H. <laughs> All right. Like, if you look at the, um, if you look at it, like, on YouTube, like, the comments under the video, like, the one with li- just the lyrics on it, People like really associate it very strongly with um, their dead parents, oh, and, God. and so that's like okay, I get it. Yeah, like, th- it has nothing to do with the song's quality at that point. Like you are hearing it on a frequency that we aren't. This is yeah. how that's fine. This is how I uh, whenever um, on the rare occasions that that song "I'm Your Angel" by uh, Celine Dion and R. Kelly comes across my path. And I'm just like, well, that's my grandma's funeral. So, like, this is no longer a song. This is, like, right. a bottled sort of, like, memory of, like, my grandmother. Yeah. So, like, I can't, like, evaluate the song. Also, it's As much as you'd like to cancel it. Yeah. You it's can't, just you wild really that one of my grandma's favorite songs toward the end of her life was R. Kelly and <laughs> yeah. Celine Dion. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know. I mean, talk about are needing to talk let's let's light a white candle and figure that shit out because wow well similarly i always now cry real tears during the first peppy number in sister act the mata mata because my grandmother and i watched that movie together i'm actually getting emotional my grandmother and i watched that movie together so many times and it was just a thing that we did and she yeah. loved that part so much. And now my lizard brain makes me cry before I even understand what's happening when I'm yes. watching that scene. I actually feel that way about the days of our lives intro. <gasps> mm. Good call. Because that was my grandma's and my soap yeah. on summer vacation. Yeah. Like sands through the hourglass. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Well, this took a turn. Yeah. yeah. Well, Joe, 
Thank you for the tears and the laughter. As always. <laughs> Once again. I'm glad we could make a, a space for you to be sad, just like yeah. T-Bone Burnett did. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad we could find a way to talk about the Oscars and the best song race without mentioning uh, even once that song from Breakthrough that Diane Warren wrote, uh, which I guess I'm breaking that rule right now, but we can cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> it's sung by Chrissy Metz. It is. Okay. But it's okay. from some. It's for some religious movie, like a girl drowns in a pool, and then so, she goes. Yeah, one of those like Kirk Cameron joints. Here's the plot <laughs> of Breakthrough in a nutshell: is Chrissy Metz's son goes onto a frozen lake and falls through the lake and is rescued, but is in a coma. So, but the po- the the main scary action is that he like falls through ice, and they called the movie Breakthrough, which is as fucked up a thing as I can imagine. <laughs> like, yeah. yes. What a weird thing to like call your movie also, about a kid falling through ice. Between that and Little Women, that means there are two Oscar-nominated uh-huh. films this year with significant <laughs> scenes about someone falling through the ice. Of equal quality. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys. Diane Warren, though. Always I love, love her. you. I love her. She should have won for Burlesque. That's what I will say. Uh, she didn't even get nominated in that disaster. Well, again, Joe, thank you for joining us for the third consecutive year, and thank you for this wonderful topic uh, of for Oscar discussions. And Sarah, any any awards you'd like to hand out here at this ceremony? Um, no, I'm I'm content with uh, the point at which we've arrived. And uh, Joe, please try to get some sleep thank and you. drink a lot of Gatorade. You're going to get through this. Yes. We believe in you. You'll be in our hearts. Kiss me, mother, kiss your darling Lay my head upon your breast Throw your loving arms around me Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship and Sarah D. Bunting and edited by Sarah D. Bunting. That's me. Need to talk to Mark and Sarah about song requests, ads, or birthday readings? Email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com, tweet us at talksongs, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. To become a supporter and producer of the podcast, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash And as always, thank you for listening.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.